Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and today I'm doing a little switch up, and I have one guest for the first half and one guest for the second half, which is so exciting because that means I get to deep dive and talk about fun things, both of them really exciting and near and dear to me. And the first is I am super excited. I can't even tell you how much to talk to Lynn Miller. Now, you may not recognize her name, but if you're on Facebook and you belong to the vintage group you uh, of quilts, the vintage quilt um, board, you know, page, whatever, you, uh, she's the one who runs it. And I thought, you know what, I just need to talk to her. And then I found out she she would come on. So, hi, Lynn. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for inviting me. What a treat. You know, sometimes it takes me a little while, like I'm following somebody, and all of a sudden I go, oh, I haven't talked to them. I need to do this. You're one of those people. I'm like, why haven't I talked to Lynn yet? This is a, I love antique quilts. Well, it's something near and dear to my heart. It's a passion. Oh, you know, I you sent me some notes, you know, a little bit about your background. So I would love to to uh, talk about that a little bit because uh, you know, did your you didn't have quilters in your family, did you? You know, I did not. My my mother did not even sew or have any inkling <laughs> of anything. It was those 1950s when I think they looked down their nose at. Uh, you know, anything handmade, and it needed to be store-bought, mm-hmm. and uh, she was that typical, you know, housewife of that age, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I, still looking for where did I get this burning desire to, to sew, and it's not, wasn't just quilts, it was early on, I was picking up a, you know, a needle and thread, and and searching in my mother's scrap bag of, of you know, rags and uh-huh. trying to make doll clothes for my Barbie and, and all that. And it's just, you know, just something I've always loved to do and buying, finally getting a sewing machine when I was 13 and, oh. you know, taking classes in high school and So why did you, so, did, so, did somebody... So. Did somebody decide finally, like, this kid really needs to sew? Because, you know, Lynn, you're telling the exact same story of of my family because my mom didn't sew, my grandmothers didn't sew, my great-grandmothers didn't sew. But I was, like, wanting to sew, and they bought me a machine when I was a little bit older than that. Did your parents finally go, like, this kid just needs a machine? I think I just harped and harped and harped. (laughs) I, I, you know, I had, we had a lovely neighbor who had a machine and she sewed. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I would I would go over to her house every chance I got and I didn't have a, a sewing machine at home. So, you know, my projects from school, I sewed at her house. And oh. I think they, you know, <laughs> oh, well, I guess we better, you know, it was just a little used uh, black, you know, old machine that I got. Mm-hmm. I didn't get anything fancy. Mm-hmm. Do you <laughs> still I have it? it? I was thrilled. I don't. That's sad, isn't it? I know. I don't have my first one either because we were in Europe, and so it was on European currency. And when I went to college, my mom had to get me a new machine so I could go to college. (laughs) Uh Aha. Yes. Lucky. Yes. Right. And my degree was in computer science. It had nothing to do with sewing. So. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, how did you well, find, I just, I say, how did you find quilts? Because if you, you know, just like me, they, they, they come to us somewhere along the way. How did you discover quilts? Well, I kind of remember it explicitly because um, I had uh, my daughter was in high school and I was doing a chaperone overnight trip with a volleyball coach and she loved antiques. Oh. So we had this extra time and we went to an antique store. Well, I've never been to an antique store, not not really. And um, I saw this, the, I really saw the back of a quilt. And I saw that texture and that, I still love the back of a quilt, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that just that crunchy looking little, you know, wrinkly thing. And then I looked at the price mm-hmm. and, oh, well, I was raising three kids and buying, you know, shoes for them. I couldn't afford <laughs> quilts. So, <laughs> so I don't know that kind of, you know, stuck in my head how much I loved that, that it was fabric, number one. And, right. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I wonder if I could learn to make quilts and, mm-hmm. and, you know, just went out and, and took some classes. I knew no one that quilted, not, not a soul. So when, luckily, how did you find lived the class? In, how did you find the class? Well, luckily, you know, I mean, I was just silly. I <laughs> opened up the phone book into oh. the yellow pages under Q for quilt. <laughs> Well, there you go. There was no internet, so you couldn't look there. Uh, no, no. It was like the 1980, I think 19, about 1987. And, um, and there was a, a quilt. It was called Quilt Basket, and it was under in the yellow pages under quilts. And I called them up and said, do you, do you give classes? And they sold fabric. It was a cute little darling store. And, and I signed up over the phone and took classes and I was in love. I just was like head over heels in love with quilting. I was, I was, I, I haven't stopped since then. <laughs> you know, that was very early. I didn't know they actually, I mean, I'm sure in my, in my part of the world, there probably was a quilt shop, but I didn't know to look for it. But I, that seems like quilt shops were, had been very few. I, I think there was, and, there, and for a long, long time, there was just that one in mm-hmm. Tucson for, for many, many years. And I know up in the Phoenix area, a larger city um, in Arizona, they, they started theirs, I believe, the Quilted Apple Lorraine Cinema started her store in sometime in the 70s. So she was right on that cutting edge of, mm-hmm. you know, quilts and stuff. So there was a few, but, but not many. So did you discover the quilt guilds then? Because um, I know guilds have been around a while. Were they active when you were first learning? You know, I think they actually were. But, you know, I was a, a stay-at-home mom, and I was helping mm. my husband with his business. And mm-hmm. um, I, I had no life, you know. Right. And I, I, I called, called myself a, a closet quilter for you know, years because I just kind of did my own thing and um, didn't didn't participate and didn't even know there was guilds or anything. And then my kids got in that in the nineties, uh, mid nineties. My kids got older and in high school. Uh, I'm going to go out and find some people who quilt. Right. <laughs> and I did join the guild then. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I joined the guild, it was like, oh, my gosh, I found all these people just like me, you know, that really like, did you have that same feeling? 
Yes. Oh, the best friends I have. And, mm-hmm. um, and that was, oh gosh, how long ago was that? Over 20 years. And, and, um, I joke with my husband now when, you know, when you meet new people or something, I'm like, oh, they don't quilt. I, I can't be friends <laughs> with them. <laughs> My okay, so Lynn, you'll think this is one time. My hair, the lady who did my hair, (laughs) says to me, "Do all your friends quilt?" And I said, "Yes." (laughs) (laughs) I it's it is such a passion with me. I just you know I I hate the word hobby because it's it's more than a hobby. It's Mm -hmm. it's what I it's me. I everything is my life is revolves around quilting. So yeah. I love it, love it, love it. So when did you um, start to explore antique quilts? Uh, and and that's how I know you, even though you've done a tremendous amount of things. I sort of found you via your your interest in the antiques. Well, I, I was really um, fortunate that um, early on when I started taking some classes and things, um, I would go to the Quilted Apple quilt store in Phoenix, which was Lorraine Cinema. And um, she had written a lot of books, and she was in love with red and green, did a fabric line. I, a lot of people don't remember Lorraine. but um, I do. She was one of the early, early, do you? I, I do. I was her biggest fan. Yeah. Yeah. I was so her biggest lucky fan. to have met her. How awesome. And well, she and she was um, because she loved all the antique things. And when you'd go to her store, she was so sweet. And she would, oh, look at this block I found. Look at this, and I've made a pattern for you. And we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And you just, you know, you. She was like a pied piper. You just yeah. went for it. And uh, and I feel really lucky now that I have such an extensive uh, quilt book library from back then. Uh, because she introduced a lot of those early books on antique quilts and the history of quilting and the women who really uh, had that quilt revival back in the 1930s when quilts kind of came back around with these cottage industries and the patterns and Ruby McKim and Marie Webster and and folks like that. So, Hmm. yeah, it was definitely her that was the huge influence. And... um, so I just, have, I've always loved them. I just, I just loved them. So we have about a minute and a half. This goes very fast. So when did you buy your first antique quilt? Tell me that before we go on break. Oh, gosh. Let's see. I, I, I remember it was at, uh, oh, gosh, the, one of the national quilt shows. You know, they always have the vendors with all mm-hmm. the antique dealers. And I saw this quilt and I fell in love with it. And it was seven hundred dollars oh and I just you know I couldn't not leave it because I you know and my husband was with me and I looked at him and said I'm gonna buy this Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and it's been downhill ever since then (laughs) (laughs) what size was that quilt it was big it Mm. was big it was uh probably about 75 by 80 or something like that Okay, yeah. I haven't looked at it in a long time. I need need to get it out and look at it. Yes. So, uh, Lynn, we're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, what I want to do is talk about 
your website and what you're writing there uh, and, and a few other things. How's that sound? Sounds great. Okay, so we're going to take a break, and Lynn's website is quilts-vintageandantique.blogspot.com, and we'll be right back. issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and I am talking to Lynn Evans. No, I'm, I'm sorry, Lynn Miller. Lynn Evans Miller. So I was reading your paper, Lynn. <laughs> I looked down and you have your maiden name there, too. <laughs> Lynn, Lynn. Okay, so Lynn, you have this amazing website, uh, which, you know, I was, I could just spend like hours reading all the lovely things that you, you write about for the, the vintage quilts. When, um, when did you decide to start writing online about the antique quilts? Oh, gosh. I, you know, I don't remember exactly how I did that, but um, I, I know my my mindset was that I really wanted to share uh, my quilts because mm-hmm. I thought they were so special. Not, not the quilts I made, but the quilts I was collecting. Right. And I was researching those and finding out lots of information about them, especially some of the kit quilts that I collect and who manufactured them and what year they were made and and just little bits of information. I find that kind of fascinating to delve into that. And um, I thought, you know, yes, I I pack up all my stuff and I go down to the guild and I share my stuff with, you Mm -hmm. know, 50 people. And it just, it was, seemed so slow, you know, and I thought, oh, well, I guess I need a blog so that more people can see this stuff. And, you know, that was kind of the latest, greatest. Well, having a blog is hard work, to, you know, to keep keep up with the writing and stuff. I'm not I'm yeah. not very consistent, but um, I, I'm I, you know, I wish I was a better writer, but I just love to share the quilts. And then I thought, oh, you know, I didn't know much about Facebook at all. And mm-hmm. um I, I kind of was on it for my kids. You know, you, you, that's mm-hmm. the only time you find out anything about your kids is on Facebook. <laughs> and um, and then I don't I don't know. Early on, it was like nineteen or um, 
2009. Right. I said, you know what? I think I'll just, uh, I think I'll start a group and I'll call it a virtual museum and I'll just only let people post photos of their antique quilts because I know a lot of people have family quilts Mm -hmm. and antique quilts like I do that, you know, it's, my stuff is not museum quality. I actually do have a few that are museum worthy now, but um, Mm -hmm. generally they're just things I love. And um, I started the, the group and um, I, you know, it just took off. I guess there was, um, you know, just an interest in it from, all over the the world, really. There's there's people in there from from everywhere, and they it's they wonderful. love antique quilts. And I'm pretty strict about um, you know I delete a few things, but they're not really quilt related. And right, uh, it the happens. photo gallery has to be of quilts. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah, it's oh, it's a it's a great group, and mm-hmm. and the people on there are so giving and so sharing. It's certainly not um, not me, you know that that has all the information and stuff. It's just a, it's like a, just a getting together with a group of people who have this great passion for antique quilts and, um, and they have information about history and mm-hmm. patterns and, um, yeah, cause and we just have all kinds of people on there. A few times that I've had people in my group who have an, a vintage or an antique quilt and they don't know what it is and I don't know what it is it might be unusual so once or twice I've shared a picture there to see because your community there has a lot of historians and there's museum curators and avid collectors and so the pool of knowledge is massive it's really awesome somebody always knows isn't it I just yeah. <laughs> I just love I love Facebook I, I do too. I just, it's been great. Um, it's been a wonderful experience, and um, I, I I love it. I love it. Now you also um, a kind of acquired. Tell me how you acquired Emma Andre's collection. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Yeah. Um, uh, she well, you know, it's a it's a it's a really long involved story. But again, back to. Um, Lorene Cinema and sharing patterns and um, very early on in the 1980s, um, Lorene kind of discovered um, uh, Emma. She was born and raised in Prescott, Arizona. She was born in 1902 and Prescott at that time was maybe 5,000, probably more like 4,000 people. And, um, she stayed there all of her life. She never married. Her family was there. Her father owned a cigar store on Main mm-hmm. Street. Mm-hmm. And she worked in this this cigar store And after she graduated from high school. And, of course, like cigar stores and cigarette stores and tobacco stores, they carried magazines. Mm-hmm. And she started in the 30s uh, looking through these magazines, Woman's Day and uh saw these quilt patterns and she sent off for, you know, a pattern and she started making quilts. And uh, so she had this, 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 she called it her happiness museum in Prescott, which was her father's cigar store back uh, when that kind of, you know, her father passed away and family Uh all left and she was kind of alone and she had these fabulous, fabulous quilts and um, that she had made herself. And, she also 
was an avid like uh, correspondence with these people, other quilters mm-hmm. all over the world, like we do with Facebook. But she was, she know, was she writing was, the letters. It was the mail, man. That yeah. Mm-hmm. And because you have mm-hmm. a whole series of articles you did on her, so that like you have her happiness museum, which is just an, what a fun name. I mean, it just that's what. Don't we all need that? All of us quilters need a happiness museum so for our things. Well, I can, <laughs> I can relate to her so something fierce, you know. I her and I have a connection, and um, I it's a really long story how I ended up. But I I I I don't really feel like it's my collection. I'm just mm-hmm. saving it for the moment, and I'm talking to people, and I'm trying to get the entire collection all the correspondence all the paperwork everything that that goes along with it because it's not just her quilts mm-hmm. um to uh, you know a, a national level mm-hmm. so that um i i can't write everything that needs to be written about her and her friendships with people like carrie hall mm-hmm. and florence Pitto and yeah. and you know all these really great people that were in the thirties and forties and the kind of movers and shakers of the, of the quilt world. That's why I love the history so much. You really get to know that it's not just the quilts, it's the people who, Mm -hmm. you know, made these quilts and you feel a connection back uh, with them. So I really love, I'm hoping, you know, yeah, I love your series because you do sort of pull in all the different parts. You've written several articles um, and, it's just fascinating all of the different aspects that she did. And so now you have all of this. You're like, like you said, you're the caretaker of it uh, at the moment. <laughs> for, for the moment. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 it's overwhelming is really what it is. And it's, um, you know, just, she just, I, on my blog, I have a little uh, link to a little video that she was interviewed by a local, um, television station back in the 80s and so there's a little video of her and there's a link that will take you to YouTube and you can see her and every time I watch that I just fall in love with her she's just precious and of course she was older then and and had not really been quilting much back then Mm -hmm. but she's just really a special special person so I'm hoping she can get some recognition and someone mm-hmm. will, you know, take up that she, she just won't, you know, her memory won't just, you know, fade away that we mm-hmm. can keep her out there and be inspiration to future quilters. And, you know, look what she did with, you know, she says, and I quilted this in my lap at the store. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched it. It is awesome. It is really awesome. I'll put that on, I put a link to your stuff on my site. I'll I'll find the video and, and link to that too, so people don't have to hunt for it. Um, so, you know, where do you keep all of this? Well, um, we happen to have had a a, a three car garage that's now a two car garage. Oh. <laughs> uh, my husband had his boat in the side that's now. My happiness museum, although uh-huh. I call it my, uh, I call I have a little magnetic sign on the door that says quilt research center, oh. and it's not really where I go sew because I have a, a another sewing room, but um, I do a lot of uh, I'm also really involved in the 
Arizona Quilt Documentation Project, which mm-hmm. we're documenting quilts all over the state of Arizona. And um, so I take a lot of photographs, and um, it's just, you know, and that's kind of where I have uh, all my collection. And um, so it's kind of my happiness museum, too. So right. <laughs> it's it's fun. You need to get I'm a just sign. Playing. <laughs> yeah, you need to get your own sign, your happiness museum sign. So, Lynn, uh, what are yes. you... What are you sewing on right now? Because unlike, you know, some people who collect quilts who don't actually make quilts, you're an avid maker as well. I am. I am. Um, well, my latest passion right now is uh, I decided I, I, I not only love to, when I go to an antique store, there's all sorts of linens and uh, unfinished tops and blocks, old blocks of, you know, from people that have made that, Maybe they're pretty wonky, and um, I've been collecting that that stuff along with quilts for for over 20 years. So I had this huge box of blocks, and I decided the other day just to start sewing them together. And they were 11 inches, 11 and a quarter inches, mm-hmm. 11 and a half inches. <laughs> they were, you know, eight and three quarters inches. They were just, it was so random. And I said, I am not going to sit here and remake these i'm just going to make these fit together and i i did and i i posted it on just my regular page from facebook and um Mm -hmm. uh i think i inspired a few other people to you know take those blocks and just just go for it you know Mm -hmm. don't worry about whether it fits together or those points are cut off or um you know I agree. Seam allowance. They're, they're so heard of fun. That? Right, yeah. Who needs a seam but, allowance, right? Because <laughs> if you look. It was really, it was, yeah, it was so much fun to do. Just just fun. I, you know, you don't have to be uptight about anything. And, and it was just fun. I'd never done that, really done that before. I, because I'm a, like, you know, oh, quarter inch seam and measure and, you know, the points have got to show. And, oh. <laughs> so it's a lot of fun. That I just um, I have a, like a box I've been putting all of my sort of random blocks that don't make it into things. You know, either they had to be remade or something. So I when I saw that picture you had, I thought, oh, I need to get those. Just stick them up on the wall someday and see how many are in that box right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and it's amazing how they just you know play together so nicely. So mm-hmm. well, Lynn, you know this has been. This has been so much fun for me. I really, really uh, am so happy you got to come on and, and share your story and uh, about what you're doing. There's just so much stuff. Tell people the name of your um, Facebook group so they can find it. The Facebook group is the same as my blog. It's quilt-vintage okay. and antique. And um, it's uh, just under groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I link to that as well so that people can just get there. Thank you, Lynn. I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. 
For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. So the second half of the show, we're going to talk machine quilting and learning. Uh, kind of all rolled into one with Lori Kennedy of the Inbox Jaunt. And I've been so lucky to get to know Lori lately. Uh, we have the same publisher. We invited her, Jane and I did, to be in our Splendid Sampler 2 book. And you would have just made her really super cute block if you're following along. So, Lori, I am thrilled we get to spend the half of the show talking. Thanks for doing this. Well, Pat, thank you so much for, for inviting me, and thank you for inviting me to do the uh, Splendid Sampler. That has been a lot of fun. Yeah, can you believe how many ways and how many colors one flower can be? It's just thousands. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. The block I designed was designed, um, it's called the Rose and Dot block, and it's named after my grandmother, Rose. Mm-hmm. And my mother, Dorothy, so I named it that, the Rose and Dot block. And it's a simple applique block. But what's been really fun to see is all the different colorways. And then it's really fun. Some people have added buttons um, to the center or mm-hmm. beads. And my grandmother would have loved that because my grandmother collected buttons. And my oh. mother keeps that collection to this day. So it's, been, it's just been a lot of fun to see all the different variations of it. Well, you were so great because you're on your day, uh, the designers, if, if people aren't familiar, the designers will write on their own website to give you more backstory to the block and maybe uh, tips, maybe something else. And, Lori, you you showed us pictures of um, Rose and Dot, and I just love their outfits. These were not shy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my. My grandmother in particular was known for loving polka dots and bright colors, and she she loved to get dressed and to, you know, really, really add a lot of uh, pattern to it, whatever she was working on. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they, big pattern, too. It's like, yeah, they weren't, yeah, they weren't afraid of pattern, either one of them. So no. it is kind of funny and really fun to see those, those blocks being made. Yeah, I just want to gather them up and put them in one quilt. You know, I would just like, just give me your blocks, everybody, so I can put them in a quilt. I just <laughs> That'd be a big quilt, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would, with thousands and thousands of them. So, you know, what, you write uh, just all these amazing machine quilting tutorials. I mean, I don't, you know, just like, and they're not 
they're they're sort of what I call them like short short ish ones. You know, like how did you start doing this? Because you do you've done them for years now. I have. I I just um, made my sixth anniversary as a blogger, <gasps> which wow. is kind of amazing in the blog world. Most people don't blog that for that long, but I didn't start out as a quilt blogger. Actually, I just started out. I was taking a photography class, and I wanted to. Um, I just wanted to try putting some photos up on a website. Oh. And then my sisters <laughs> who don't live in town. Yeah, I mean, it didn't even start out. Well, and it's good because the photography actually helps the tutorials. Mm -hmm. So it plays in later. But my sisters live in another town, and they wanted to learn free motion quilting, which was something I I enjoyed a lot. So I just started putting a few tutorials up, and it was amazing the interest that was seen online and on Pinterest. And people really just responded well, so I kept doing more and more of them, and that's how it got started. You know, I just... You know, I think that's very cool. Like you wrote to just share it with somebody in particular, you know, like you had a goal and then mm-hmm. other, you know, because well, I think when you started blogging and writing like this, there wasn't quite as many people writing online. So that's was good because you could find the things a little easier. Um, you know, people could find you more quickly because it wasn't like so much data out there to weed through. It's uh Right, and I think one of the things that um, sets me apart is that I try to do motifs that other people don't uh, necessarily work with. For example, I love feathers and I love meandering, but really I try to go beyond that and make um, motifs that tell a story. Like I recently had a tutorial for a guitar. So if Mm -hmm. someone's musical in your life, you put a guitar on your quilt Mm -hmm. or turtles or fish or whatever. So I try to go beyond the basics that other people um, that you find in other quilt blogs or in quilt books, other quilt books. I think that's the part that's, that really draws people, Lori, to your work is that you make it doable, but they're also different. Like an apple, which is filled, this is on your right side. There's (laughs) an apple filled with Uh all these swirls. And it's like, okay, it's like an applique apple I would do, an applique one. I wouldn't think to quilt one. It's sort of like a totally different mindset and approach that mm-hmm. you share you, you, you share with people, look at how you can do it differently. Did you start right. that way? And the other thing, I, I didn't start out that way intentionally, but because mm-hmm. I naturally was always drawn myself to free motion quilting, that that was the way I always looked at things. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, if I could draw it with um, a single, without, you know, a continuous line, mm-hmm. that I would challenge myself to do that. And then if you can do that, you can quilt it. And the other thing I try really hard to do is to break it down into very, very small steps. So even if you, if you look at that apple on my website, you'll see it looks a little bit complicated. But if you click into the tutorials, I break it down so that anyone can just see, oh, yes, all I need is a concave you know, line here and a straight line here. And break it down so that it's really doable for anyone. Now, you have two books now with Martingale, and uh, the newest one is called Machine Quilting 123. It's 
62 fast and fun designs. And of course, there's a spool on the front, which is just so cute. And it shows this is like a step out of how the visually how you get there in 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 photos. What is the um, sort of the theme of this book? Well, actually, the two books I have are free motion machine quilting one, two, three, and then the second book is more. Oh, the okay. Same. More machine quilting. Oh, it does say more. I'm and sorry, so, I missed that. That's the one I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, they're so they're kind of similar in a way. They start out with a lot of information about skill building, how you start out and how you grow in your skill level, and how you set up your machine and things like that. And then the first book has 60 motifs, about 60, a little more than 60 motifs. And the second book is 60 more motifs. And those motifs are a little bit more, um, there's a little greater emphasis on seasonal mm -hmm. patterns and holiday patterns. So there's a really cute snowman and a pumpkin and a spider and things like that. So that's the difference between the two books. But they both have the step-by-step process that makes it easy to see and easy to learn. Now, because you have a lot of people who write you, a lot of people, you have a very active website, so a lot of people are writing there, so you're seeing how people, seeing people's thoughts, you know, about things, and then you also see them in person. Uh, what, th let's talk about a few sort of tips and tricks that you can give for those who are um, sort of have tried it, but need you the things that you know that you've shared over the years. Like, I think thread is something people don't often think about. So, what do you what do you have in the way of thread tips? Well, I think thread is one of the most important considerations when deciding how your quilting will look. I started out, when I started quilting, I would just pick the color of thread, and I didn't pay any attention to anything else. And by accident, I found that I, I um, picked up a heavier weight thread once and did my machine quilting with that. And just like that, my machine quilting looked better. And that started me down this path of exploration of different threads and how that affects the machine quilting. So the tip of, one of the things I try to reinforced is that thread is really important, especially the weight of the thread. So if you think about a thread, if you're thinking about you want a, just to create texture on your quilt, for example, sometimes mm -hmm. you just don't want to see the quilting, you just want texture. Mm -hmm. You want to use a very lightweight thread, so maybe 50, 60, you can even go with a 100 weight thread in a matching color, and that will just blend in the background of your quilt. But if you're trying to make a motif that really pops, for example, you want to quilt a pumpkin and you really want someone to see it if you're going to put that much effort into it, that's when you look to a thread weight that's heavier, like a 28 weight, for example. Mm -hmm. So look at the thread and look at the weight. And then there's all kinds of, once you start looking at thread, you, you kind of gets to be addicting because there's specialty <laughs> threads with different sheens and there's glow-in-the-dark threads and all those other things. So pay attention to thread. It's much more important than you realize. And also so that's to one do of my a sample. Favorites. And also to oh, do a sample. Yes, I'm, I make samples all the time because when you actually stitch it out, you see exactly what you want. Sometimes a subtle variation in color can make a huge difference. 
um, making samples. I, I, I know none of us really want yeah. to make samples. They want to just jump in and yeah. start something. But it's really, if you take just a leftover block and start trying a few different threads, you'll know exactly what's working and what's not. And it's well worth the 15 or 20 minutes it takes. Yeah. And, you know, and also it lets you know whether you like it or not because you might think you're going to like it and maybe you don't, maybe you're having some issue or you just don't like how it, you know, it's thicker than you thought in your head, you know, so unless you stitch it, you don't really, you can't really tell. Right. And sometimes I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I usually have a good idea of what's going to work. And I'm often surprised still that that color that I chose perhaps is too similar to the background and it's not showing up. And mm-hmm. so it's just a way to avoid disappointment in your quilting is to create a sample. Now, the the other thing that a lot of machine quilters uh, advocate and you're, you also do is to doodle or sketch or draw. We have like about two minutes till we take a break. Tell me a little bit about why that's important. I guarantee to everyone who's listening, if you spend just 15 minutes a day doodling, in 10 days you will be a much better quilter. Now, I know that's a big thing to guarantee, but it helps to develop your rhythm your muscle memory, your sense of spacing, all of those things come much, much more quickly. And if you can't do it when you're on a piece of paper, it's just much more harder when you're doing it, trying to make a motif under your um, under your needle. So I promise if everyone would just try that for 10 days, and if you don't, if it doesn't work, write to me. But I have yeah. never had anyone write to me yet. <laughs> Yeah, and it also helps you to sort of plan, even though you're not doing a whole quilt, if it's something a little bit more complex, then you can test it out that way and get your hand going where it needs to go. Exactly, and sometimes you have to change a motif entirely because it's not going to work or it's too hard to um, stitch upside down, for example. There might be areas in your quilt where you'd have to stitch upside down a motif that's just not going to work for you. You'll be able to figure those things all out through that doodling process. Super. Well, we're going to take a break, Lori, and um, okay. we'll come back in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about learning. our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code podcast at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan talking to Lori Kennedy of Inbox Jaunt. So, Lori, you have some new quilters in your family, like a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) I do have a lot. I have five daughters and one son. And the five daughters um, who have spent most of their young life not being interested at all in quilting because they were busy with sports and other things, have decided now, um, now that they're out of college, they're all out of college, to start quilting. And they really want to jump in and learn. And it's a really exciting way to share my my passion with them. So I'm really excited about it. They're also going to be blogging about it. I just think that they are, like, are, do they live near you, the girls? Four of my daughters live nearby. Um, okay. One is uh, lives a little bit away, but, yes, okay. they all near, live near enough to come use my sewing room. Yeah, they they look like they're fun ladies. You're, you're... <laughs> yes, they're yes. really fun, and they're very they're very interested in quilting, but it's it's a challenging I've forgotten. It's fun to look at it through their eyes again because mm-hmm. I have been quilting for so long. I never, I don't even think about some things anymore. Mm-hmm. Like most of us, we don't even think about how to use a rotary cutter, things like that. And we've really had to, I've really had to step and step back and think of things differently because they, they don't, for example, the other day, they really didn't understand what a fat quarter was or why we would want one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they knew they wanted the fabric, but they didn't understand right. the whole concept even of the fat quarter. So, or I sent them to the store one day to buy pins, mm-hmm. and they came back without pins because there were too many choices. Oh. So we're going to be talking about all of those kind of challenges um, on our um, in some upcoming posts on the inbox, John. Right, and you also have like a tag so you can see beginning quilting or or something like that, right, that you have one of your tags so that people can just see all the articles on um, beginning quilting or steps. Uh, exactly. Yes, yes. Now you have a new generation of quilters coming in, and they are all interested in buying new sewing machines, and they have a different approach to quilting. So I think it's going to be a really fun new adventure for our current audience, but we hope some new quilters will join us as well. Well, I love the one where uh, they went to the fabric store and, like, had to keep taking laps and (laughs) and adding more bolts to the stack, and then you had to come in and kind of, like, do the intervention or something, you know, so that they didn't buy half the store. (laughs) Exactly, but this actually not different than any of us, is it, Pat? We all walk many laps around our quilt stores before we before we leave. And I often am guilty of the same thing, stacking a huge stack, but um, I have learned a little discipline. I just had to introduce it to them as well. (laughs) And, and I understand that they are using my beginner book as a reference. Yes. It's a great way to start. We're using the teach me series and we're going to just start right there because you start out with some great, information on how to rotary cut. We've been looking at that and the tools and supplies. And um, both of them have picked projects from your book as well. One of my daughters is going to be doing the star and uh, the other one is going to be doing the, um, I think it's called the split rail. I can't remember right now, but um, we're going to do different projects from your book because it's such a great way. 
it's it's very simplified and they just love that book it's a great book pat Oh, good, good, good. Yes, uh, my publisher is the one that our publisher. I'm sorry, our publisher, Martingale. They're the ones that <laughs> yeah. told me what what you what was going on. They said you need to uh, ask Lori about her daughters. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, that is so. They've cool. been sharing some tips too. Yeah. Martingale's been sharing some tips with us, and um, our next project really is to look for a sewing machine, mm-hmm. and that's. That's pretty challenging when you have a very limited budget, so that's what we'll be looking for. Yeah, that'll be really, really interesting. It'll probably be very eye-opening for you also to see and and sort of analyze that level of machine for a person, you know. Right. And what is the bare minimum that they can do with for their best budget? You know, I mean, it's a lot of things because we all want the bells and whistles, don't we? (laughs) Exactly. So it's going to be really hard for me to break it down. But but that's a barrier to entry for new quilters Mm -hmm. is this very high price on a lot of sewing machines. So we're going to be looking at some sewing machines um, of all price ranges to see what is the best value. And especially for young quilters, they're not sure if they want to go on with it. They just want to try it out for at first. So um, it's really uh, it's really fun. The other thing that we, one of my daughters lives in an apartment, so we have to look at quilts, uh, setting up a quilt space in a small space. Mm-hmm. And then her twin sister is left-handed, so we're going to be looking at some supplies for left-handed quilters. That's another challenge that I've never had to face, and I mm-hmm. think of many quilters too. So mm-hmm. that'll be another um, interesting aspect of going forward and learning to quilt. Neat. Oh, very, very cool. So let's switch, let's switch gears, Lori, because I wanted to mm-hmm. – um, one of the things that, that you have some really good thoughts on is how to sort of get people over that fear of quilting their own quilts, of machine quilting their own quilts. Um, you know, the, people just are mm-hmm. so afraid. They don't want to start, and if you don't start, you never can learn. You know, it's – so what are what are right. one of the reasons why people I think you have like two main reasons. What's the first one why people don't want to start? You know, what is their fear and how do they get over that? Well, one of the fears is that they they really are afraid of ruining their quilt masterpiece. And mm-hmm. I think that one of the reasons that that comes about is that quilters get very proficient at quilting, quilt, making quilt tops, and they start out making the quilt tops, and maybe they send off a few to a long armor to be completed, but they continue to grow and grow in their skill in piecing and applique, and pretty soon they're making really beautiful quilts, and understandably, they don't want to ruin those quilts because their free motion skill is back at the novice level. Mm-hmm. So I say start from the beginning, from the very beginning with your very first quilt, learn to quilt it. And it's really no harder than learning precision piecing or um, good cutting techniques. They're just It's just a technique that you need to practice and learn. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other uh, reason people are afraid of ruining their quilts is that they look at very advanced quilters mm-hmm. and they compare themselves to that person. And that's totally unfair to do to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us, we all started somewhere. Right. You have to recognize that even the failures are important part of the quilting process. They're, right. they're as important as anything. 
So you probably will ruin a few quilts. I hate to say it, (laughs) but you really aren't ruining them if you turn them into a quilt. Right. Right. You know, I think a quilt is ruined when it's not, it's just a quilt top forever folded in a sterilite box. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get to enjoy it if you don't ever go through the whole process at some point. You know, when I, when I first started, Lori, I knew, I just knew I was going to make a lot of quilts and there were not a lot of ways Uh to get them done unless you did them yourself. I mean, having, hiring somebody Mm -hmm. was not a big business yet. Uh, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. so I had, I knew I had to learn because first of all, even if it had been a big business, I was like, well, I'm going to make way too many quilts to pay somebody to do all of them. That was my my brain. That was my brain. And Mm -hmm. so I just started and I can distinctly remember that. And I still know the very first quote where I thought, well, well, that wasn't too bad. You know, (laughs) how many quilts in was that? Oh, quite a few. Maybe three? Maybe five. Yeah. Because I had a maybe five. Yeah, maybe five. It's a limited number. It's not that bad. No, no, no. And the problem was I had a machine. I had a very inexpensive machine, and the free motion Mm -hmm. foot on it was Uh not good. And I didn't understand. I didn't understand what the problem was. It was too low so that you couldn't move the thing. The sandwich couldn't <laughs> couldn't move very well because uh-huh. it was not high enough, and so by I think it was by the third machine, I like oh. got upgraded. <laughs> oh dear! <you> know? Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. I took classes. But the, the mistakes helped you advance to understand. Yeah. Okay, this isn't working. Why isn't working? Right. And you seek out help, and then you you know one little trick like getting the right foot, and I bet you were very thrilled with your work. So oh, those mistakes are all part of the process, and they're an important part. Yeah, yeah, and and you know you wash them, and all of a sudden, it's a soft, cuddly, beautiful quilt. It's beautiful, right? They're... Right. And the other thing I really try to emphasize for the vast majority of us, we're making quilts for our families. We're not making competition quilts. Mm-hmm. Our families love to see the imperfections as well. They're they're not bothered by imperfections if they even notice them. You notice them, but they won't. And they're just thrilled to have a quilt that their mother or their grandmother or their aunt made. So, or their uncle or mm-hmm. father right. or whatever, you know, whoever made it, they're thrilled to have a quilt that is handmade by someone they love. So I don't think the, the perfection part is at all important. Just move from that and go forward and you'll, you'll keep advancing with every quilt. And I've also told people to use a panel um, to practice on, to and to do them. Do you find like when you're when you're working with people, if you get them to do them fairly quickly, like don't wait like six months between quilt one and quilt two, because it's like starting oh, that's over again. Very true. Yeah. Yeah, and then you have to you don't even know where your supplies are. That's very <laughs> true. And by doing small little things. I like yeah. to make small quilts all the time. I make, I call them base quilts because mm-hmm. I just stitch up something. It's probably really a, a sample of thread that I'm trying to make, but I turn it into something kind of nice and put a binding on it. And they always look pretty with a, a vase on top of them, a vase of flowers. <laughs> they cover a lot of, you know, a lot of mistakes. So I make a lot of those. I think that's a great way to get started and to keep the practice going once you, once you are going. 
Right. And they can come visit your site for tons of ideas and your books for step outs and photos. See, like I would take your book, Lori, and just see the picture and then they can doodle, right? On their own paper. Right. Looking at it to get it doodle before right they on sit your down. own paper. Yeah. Yep. Or you could even put a piece of vinyl and use a dry erase marker and follow right on top of it if you like. It's um but this the step outs are so simple that you can usually follow them pretty easily. So I would love to have everyone join us at the Inbox Jaunt. We have a great community there, and I don't know every answer, but there's somebody on my website that will have the answer if you ask the question. Oh. Lori, this has been absolutely fabulous. I am so glad to talk to you and tell all the ladies, tell the ladies that I'm very <laughs> excited that they are learning to quilt, and I'm going to be following along like closely that'll be awesome okay we'll, we'll send we'll show our samples every day all the good and all the bad is going yes. to be there so so please join us i'd like to have everyone join us and thank you so much pat for inviting me today you are so welcome this is american patchwork and quilting's podcast i'm pat sloan uh if you will go on Facebook, if you're out there, you can visit me at uh, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan. I also write a lot on my website. You can find everything I'm doing from patsloan.com. Wednesday this week, I start my new Wednesday Sew Along, so uh, called Merry and Bright. And visit American Patchworks uh, at allpeoplequilt.com on the website. But online, if you're doing UFOs, find the UFO group because you can get great inspiration there. And we will see you next time. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.